I'm your host, Eric Tate. On this week's show, Nick Lacapo and I discuss the brand new marker that shoots fire from Nicholas Lawrence. That's right, we're talking flair. The primary interview for the show is the close-up specialist from the Champions of Magic Tour and friend of the podcast, Kayla Drescher. She was on the show a few weeks ago with her podcast, Shazam, but this week she is back talking about close-up magic for massive arenas, new magic for the tour next year, and she opens up about how arthritis has changed her magic. This is a really special interview, kids, and I super appreciate Kayla sharing it with us. But before that, Nick Popa joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Nick Popa, thanks so much for joining me back on the Penguin Magic Podcast. This time for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's suppose you get washed up on a desert island tomorrow. What is your Desert Island Magic Book? That book would be The Paper Engine by Aaron Fisher. Oh, that's a fantastic book. I am a big fan of Aaron Fisher's, and I really like uh, The Paper Engine. Uh, Why specifically would you actually uh, take it on your desert island? Yeah, it was one of my first magic books, and I love the book because it's filled with insanely cool card magic, and it's another great book because it's a light read. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, It's a small book, but... Uh, I'm not the quickest reader, so it'll last me a long time. It is one of the first sort of magic books that I bought that wasn't like written in the 30s, like Expert Card Technique right. or Royal Road. And it's, it is it is a very easy grasp. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an excellent introduction into sort of the, the modern world of Absolutely. card magic. Not that it's the first modern card right. book that's ever written, but if you're sort of getting into that, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of your favorite effects out of it? Definitely one of my favorite tricks out of there is Search and Destroy. It's really good trick. Yeah. Uh, can you describe for our listeners actually what the trick is? If yeah. they've never seen it. So card is selected, lost in the deck, and you have the two jokers. You place them on uh, in the top of the deck and the bottom of the deck. And when you cut them, the they melt to the center of the deck. Mm-hmm. And then they eventually end up trapping one card. And that is their card. If my memory is correct, uh, Aaron also tells a story in that book about how he had originally showed that trick. I want to say it's to Larry Jennings, but it may have been to somebody else. Maybe, yeah. And the very first time he showed the original version of the trick, they said, wow, you really like that half pass, don't you? Because yes. there was like nine half passes in it. Yeah. And it was it was a really interesting exercise into uh, simplifying mm-hmm. uh, a card trick. Because Search and Destroy is crazy easy to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, but very fooling if you've never seen it before. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Do so. uh, uh, you actually use the gravity half pass that he teaches in like the first three pages of the book? Yes, I do use it a lot. It's uh, it's a really, really great utility move in card magic, and I think it's a move that everyone should probably learn. I, I totally agree. Uh, another really great move in the book is the one-handed popover. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is sort of like ubiquitous in like flourishy, sort of right. show-offy card magic. And there's a uh, the Buck Twins did a variation on that teleportation trick that uses. Uh, do you know the one where he you push the card in one packet and yeah. then it pops out the other? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, for, I'm lacking on the name, but I know exactly yeah. the trick, and that's a great. It's a great one. Aaron's version is really cool, mm-hmm. and uh, I know the Buck Twins created a flourishy version. I've got a version of it that uses uh, the sp- uh, the ribbon spread turnover oh, yeah. switch out of Card College. But, okay. Oh man. Uh, Tell me some other uh, stuff that you now. Okay, I'm going to detail which version of Paper Engine would you would you get washed up on? Um, with the, well, bl- the blue cover, the red cover, or the the soft cover that he's got out right now. I personally own the soft cover version, mm-hmm. but um, I'd probably go with the blue the blue cover. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you always want the, the, the fun original ones. I have a right. red, I have a red cover myself in the soft cover one. Is there any new material that he put in it? 
Um, to my knowledge, I don't believe so. Um, I I believe it's just a reprint in a in a paperback with a different mm-hmm. cover. Yeah, but it's a really really accessible card book for anyone who's getting Absolutely. into stuff because and it's one of those books where there's something for everybody right because mm-hmm. there's difficult card magic there's more complex card magic yeah and it's very uh it's very reasonably priced too i believe it's on uh his website for around thirty dollars oh yeah that's so. right it's a yeah you're right it is it's not a really like big thick book that's going to cost you no. like 100 150 bucks it's mm-hmm. it's it's small but it's packed with some great knowledge yeah well, I, that sounds like a really fantastic book to have on uh, your desert island. Thanks so much for joining me, Nick. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. On to the main event. My interview this show you've already met when Shazam came on the podcast. This week, it's Kayla Drescher. Right now, she's on the Champions of Magic tour where she performs close-up magic for thousands of people at a time. She won David Copperfield's Search for the Next Great Magician, and she was in town to film an enormous project with Penguin Magic. We talked about the tour as well as get into how she continues her busy schedule and cutting-edge magic while managing her arthritis. And now, you get to join our conversation. Thanks for stopping by the studios and working with me for 20 hours straight. I I think it's been more, and it's been my honor, and also my honor. You, uh, you've been great to work with, and I, I'm so excited. I can't wait for the project uh, that we've been working out with. But I, I want to talk to you about some other stuff uh, because I've actually seen the Champions Tour. Yes. Which is really cool. For those of you listening who are not familiar with the Champions of Magic Tour, uh, Kayla and some other wonderful performers go out and do a, a really great show. But you're the close-up specialist in the show. Yeah, that's the title we've kind of picked. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say I'm a close-up specialist outside of the show, but I am mm-hmm. focused on doing close-up within the context of the entire two hours. Mm -hmm. And that close-up is both in the audience as well as on stage. And uh, I utilize the camera and the projector a lot. Mm -hmm. So I have learned how to relate to sometimes three or 4,000 people through a screen, which has been What's that like? Hard. Yeah, we're trying to relate because close-up is an intimate form of magic. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sharing something of yourself with one or two, sometimes three people. How do you do that same thing for 3,000 people? I I kind of studied two different things when I realized that this was going to be sort of my full-time uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Champions takes up more than half of my year now, and I'm very happy about it. It's so wonderful, and um, it's... It's like a dream come true to be part of that show. Mm-hmm. It's just not something I had ever done. I had never relied on a camera. I had never even put a camera and a screen in my own show. Really? Yep. I just didn't want to do it. Uh, I did. I felt like magic shouldn't be through a screen. As you know, with YouTube mm-hmm. and television and everything, I wanted to make sure a screen wasn't even necessary in the context of the show. So I didn't want to do it. I tried to hold off on it for so long. But obviously that theater show was not... I had to do this if yeah. I was going to do the material choices and be the close-up expert in the show. Mm-hmm. So I studied two things. One was Copperfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you watch him do the floating rose in the show, the way that the camera is framed, the way he utilizes what the camera gives him and doesn't, the way he looks directly down the barrel of the lens to go, that's like I'm making eye contact with you right now. Yeah. So all of that, was so useful to me. So now 
when I look at the camera, I'm pretending that I'm looking at every single person individually. So that's my eye contact. So the more eye contact I make with the camera, the more the audience feels involved. Mm -hmm. So I always make sure that I'm checking in with the camera. Mm -hmm. I occasionally will leave the camera and look around at the people that are here. Mm-hmm. And then the camera picks up their involvement, their energy and their enthusiasm to sort of make be like have eye contact with me yeah. just here. And then the audience volunteer working in that their reaction, the audience can feel that too through the camera. So the camera mm-hmm. is so important in that way that I'm utilizing it as if it were just an audience member. I just know I'm projected up here. And the other thing that I really studied was the office, the show, the television show. Oh, really? Yep. Because if you think about it, uh, all Jim Halpert does is look at the camera and you've got 30 seconds of comedy. So it's a lot of how do the actors in that show Mm -hmm. relate to the camera? Because as in the show, in the context of the story, those characters are a part of a documentary Mm -hmm. and they are just everyday people that work at a paper company, but they relate to that camera like their performers Mm -hmm. so how do i get that feeling so kind of a combination of watching copperfield and the office a lot of the office like a lot like i used to watch it before bed every night but my dog is really terrified of the theme song Uh, i'm not kidding he'll wake up from a dead sleep and run off the couch it's very strange Uh, so i used to watch it all the time studying those two things really made me understand more Given that you have this uh, this camera that you're largely playing to in the show, how has that changed the magic that you're doing in there? Are you taking advantage of the fact that you can maybe like there may be something that a few people behind you might see, but you are you know the camera won't, and so you take advantage of that uh, because you can sacrifice something here for these few people, but will gain a much larger illusion for the audience. Or are you still treating this as like I'm doing restaurant in a close like I'm doing close up in a bar? And I got to be bulletproof from all around. I'm doing my absolute best to pretend I'm surrounded. Well, I am surrounded. Yeah. But I don't. You're, yeah. you're, you're in the middle of the audience, in which I, is middle. something I don't think people understand. This isn't like a Shin Lim situation where you're doing close up on stage, but there's a stationary camera. You wade out into the crowd and are amongst the people, so to Correct. speak. Correct. It feels really fun. Uh, yeah. I'm. That's the first thing I do is I start on stage and walk right into the audience and and we're in it. Uh, so I am surrounded. And at this point, I've tried again to not have to sacrifice mm-hmm. any one person or a small group of people's experience. To me, that just feels wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people do it. I understand why they do it. And I've got oh, actually a completely new material that's going to be going into the show in our next run. Really? And yep, which I'm can very you, excited about. Can you give about. us any hints as to what it's going to be? Or? So for the last, yeah, I can tell you one thing. Um, I'll actually, actually tell you all of it. So So one thing that's definitely going to be going in in a couple of weeks is I've been working for the last year to a year and a half. My producer came to me and said, what is a magic trick that you've always wanted to do that you've never been able to do either because of space limitations or budget or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I said, absolutely. I want to do Harry Blackstone's floating light bulb with a borrowed cell phone. Oh, wow. And so it is not that, just so you know, but Mm -hmm. that was the the original goal. Uh, But what it is is a borrowed cell phone, ideally – is going to float. It's going to float with the use of some headphones. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to float with the use of no headphones. And then it's going to fly in the air and vanish and appear somewhere else. Uh, So you're going to borrow a cell phone and do this? Exactly. And everything's been worked out. We have the somewhere where it's going to be 
yeah. where it's going to produce. I just don't want to give it away quite yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. But yeah, I'm really I'm I mean, really I want to know as soon it. as we're turned the, camp, the recording off, I want to know everything about this. I'll tell you about yeah. it. Uh, some of that will end up having a couple of person sacrifice, I think. I think just the mm-hmm. method for all everything that's being worked into that mm-hmm. will be a little bit tricky. So there might be a couple of people that happen to catch it, but we're working incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. What it ends up being is a, a, a situation per venue. Will somebody uh, need to be, will some, this section over here, these five people, will they see something they shouldn't? Do they even know what they're looking for? Is it okay? Mm-hmm. Fine. Or does this venue give us exactly what we need and we can sort of go mm-hmm. from there? So it just depends on like, where are the stairs leading up to the stage? Where in the audience is the phone going to appear? There's a lot of, yeah. you know, situations there. Uh, the other thing is that I'm working in a, a what is truly going to be a an 80% completely improvised close-up set. So uh, there will be no yeah. uh, no switch of gimmicks. I'm not going to you know ha- collect a bunch of stuff and then switch them out for a, a pre-organized thing. Mm-hmm. I, my goal is to go into the audience and ask for something from somebody's pockets or bags and do something really cool. It's not. I don't want it to feel cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's all going to have a start start you know beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will be, and then I'll go on stage and like do some stuff mm-hmm. on stage with borrowed objects as well. But it's really important to me to make sure that that feels as organic as possible. It's yeah. kind of a challenge from the rest of the group. Like, oh, if I'm the close-up expert, I should be able to do close-up magic with anything that's just not a deck of cards. And so I'll be sort of experimenting with what that looks like. I'm really excited for that to go in. That, I'm very excited to see this. Yeah. I, I can't wait to, please tell me the champions is coming back to Columbus because I want to see these things. Toledo? <laughs> we'll be in Toledo. All right, fine. Uh, maybe Penguin will have to go do a remote podcast from from Toledo. Or I would something love like that. that. Oh, that you could get all five of us. I would love to have all five of you. Done. I've had, well, yeah, because I've had so you've I've, had two of us. I've had two of you now. Yeah, Alex and then you, mm-hmm. and then maybe just for fun, we'll put yours out before Alex's. <laughs> what do I need to do to make that happen? Uh, just do a good job on the show tonight. Done. I'm gonna text him and let him know as soon as the show is done that that's what's <laughs> happening. He's being bumped. I, I I think it's safe to say that we're gonna we're gonna bump Alex Mack later. For you. Satisfies me so much. Uh, so I wanted to shift gears a little bit because yeah. uh, uh, you and I both uh, have uh, something in common, uh, and you first sort of talked about this at IBM in Grand Rapids, which is you have arthritis, mm-hmm. uh, and this is sort of a new thing in your life. And I, I don't talk about it a lot, but I have a fair amount of pain from repetitive stress injury in my right arm, and it's changing the way I do magic. Uh, how is how is this? condition changed your magic because i know you don't talk about it a lot and thank you for talking about it with me sorry to interrupt but this week the podcast is brought to you by flair nick lacapo and i talk about the latest creation from nicholas lawrence nick we can finally talk about flair is it that time i think it's time for us to talk about uh <laughs> an insane gimmick that nicholas lawrence invented it's ridiculous Hanging out with Nicholas is crazy because that guy just he Nicholas Lawrence creates magic every day, and <laughs> I love Nicholas to death. But sometimes yeah. just like, dude, I don't want to see any more tricks. You know, <laughs> keep them away. This guy has stuff all the time, and this marker, uh, man, I don't even. He showed this to me a long time ago. It is a wild marker. Yeah. I mean, it, it shoots, shoots fireballs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even mention that. Yeah, they're talking about a marker. No, they, yeah. this is a marker that shoots fireballs. Yeah. Head over to the Penguin Magic site, and you can see yeah. uh, some of the the this flame shooter that Nicholas Lawrence invented. I know the team's been playing with it for the last couple of weeks, and there's some really neat stuff that people are doing with it around here. 
it's just too much fun, right? Like you put it in your hands, you shoot a fireball. You know, Nicholas does some things with like uh, vanishing some rings and, um, you know, enhancing some of the card magic that he does with it. Uh, but it also is a great way to get attention. Oh, right? yeah. To gather yeah. a crowd. At, at the end of the day, you're shooting fire in the air. People want to come see what's going on. Yeah, if you've ever used a fire wallet or something like that, this is kind of in the same world. As, you know, if you fire this thing off, you better be prepared because you're about to have more attention than you will know how to deal with unless you have a bunch of magic tricks in your pocket, right? So, uh, yeah, Flare, I, it's, uh, it's worth your attention. It just came out. It's brand new. Um, nothing else like it out there. So you should check it out. That was Flare, available at penguinmagic.com. And now back to my conversation with Kayla Drescher. Uh, so I wanted to shift gears a little bit because yeah. uh, uh, you and I both uh, have uh, something in common. Uh, and you first sort of talked about this at IBM in Grand Rapids, which is you have arthritis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is sort of a new thing in your life. And I, I don't talk about it a lot, but I have a fair amount of pain from repetitive stress injury in my right arm. And it's changing the way I do magic. Uh, how is how is this condition changed your magic because i know you don't talk about it a lot and thank you for talking about it with me yeah i at the ibm it somehow came up and i think i was so it was about 10 30 in the morning i had just done a close-up show starting at nine Mm -hmm. and that it was maybe the first or second one so i didn't really have my wits about me because i think i was pretty exhausted and hyped up on coffee Mm -hmm. so somebody asked a question and it just sort of came out and then i went oh my gosh i've never actually talked about this ever at a, mm-hmm. in a public setting and I think the, the only people that really know are the people that I need to travel with or mm-hmm. that I live with that might need to help uh, and so about five years ago now I got super sick mm-hmm. and then ended up getting diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. so it's not just a little arthritis from like stress which is also very difficult but mm-hmm. every single joint in my body feels it um, the best way I can explain it is it feels like somebody is taking the you know start and end point between and then a joint in the center and just pulling and pushing them together on a regular basis and like moving it around um and i don't remember what not feeling that way feels like so that's sort of my new baseline but what ended up happening is when i got sick i also had to deal with extreme fatigue and memory loss and it all comes like foggy it's called foggy brain Mm -hmm. and so you just deal with all this stuff and like how does this now this is now my normal Mm -hmm. and I went from being a two-sport athlete to Mm -hmm. hopefully getting out of bed so it was a real drastic change which meant for magic that was significant Mm -hmm. is going from I I could do card slides Mm -hmm. and I could do all of that and I was learning complex stuff to the point to I could barely hold a deck of cards. What does that even look like? I was working on a full, very complex coin routine of like Mm -hmm. hanging coins and edge grips and having like coins basically edge gripped in every finger I could to where I couldn't even classic palm. I couldn't even finger palm because I couldn't curl my my fingers around the coin. And so that drastic difference was really hard, but also... It took a lot of time. It took a lot of people helping me. It took a lot of understanding that magic doesn't have to be sleight of hand. And yeah. that's what I always thought. Mm-hmm. What I really, It doesn't have to be. And there's this world of mentalism that exists that doesn't have to be mentalism. Mm-hmm. And there's card tricks that don't have to be slights. And there's all of these resources and all of this magic that exists that you can make your own. So when I when I look at something and go, okay, I can't side seal comfortably enough to do it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. 
And all magic I do needs to work 99.99% of the time uh, because of the amount of shows I'm doing. Mm -hmm. If I were doing two shows a year and something worked 80% of the time, chances are they're going to work both shows. But if I'm doing 300 shows a year, that's a very different game. Mm -hmm. That percentage and the amount of shows that will fail is much higher. So it's got to work almost 100% of the time. And if I can't side steal 99.99% of the time, it's not going in the show. So... Basically looking at, okay, instead of doing a side steal, what's something else I can do? And what I realized is non-magic audiences don't care that you're side stealing. Mm-hmm. They just don't. I had, I've had i had one non-magic person in an audience go, oh, I really love sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even know what that is. Yeah. I mean, you could just hold a card and then the back of it's black arted and you turn it over and you can win AGT. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's not all he does. Obviously, he's amazing. Yeah. But like, that's the idea, right? Yeah. Is that it It doesn't have to be... I prided myself on my sleight of hand ability and the mm-hmm. amount I could do. And then all went away. And so it was... It was funny because when I met you, I had heard of you and this and the slights that you were doing and, and some of the stuff that you were doing. So I remember meeting you and being like, yeah, let's deal cards later. And then... <laughs> And then the next morning you started talking about, because I remember you leaning against a chair because it was, it seemed like you were having a tough day. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an important thing for more magicians to talk about because as we get older, our bodies change. I mean, I just, I know even the, uh, the moisture content of my skin changes yeah. the way I deal now and affects the, the choices that I make that go into my shows. And it's, it, this sounds like it just changed your worldview, not just your world, but your worldview of magic. Yep. Absolutely. I just didn't realize that so much magic, like I didn't, I didn't like mentalism. My mentors are comedy based mentalists. And so I, I could go to them and go, mm-hmm. how do you, I mean, you, you are saying I'm going to read your mind. I don't want to do that, but I want to do it in a way that fits me. So I'm doing mentalism that's presented as part is just like parlor sleight of hand mm-hmm. magic. Uh, that's a lot of my show. Mm-hmm. And it's not presented as mentalism or it's not presented as slights. It's a combo that's based in a story. Mm-hmm. So what my view changed to is magic is not about what's the level of skill you can hide. Mm-hmm. It's about the special effect to the story that you can present to people. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what everything changed. And I gave, I, I worked really hard to give myself permission to ask for help mm-hmm. and to admit defeat. And that was very hard for me. Athletic background. Yeah. That's not a thing you do. You don't, you do, you never quit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to go, you know what? This isn't going to work. Or, hey, friend that I'm traveling with, can you carry my backpack today? So it's a lot of that. And it's a lot of like, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with bringing a second suitcase. Mm -hmm. That's just stuff I might need on the road. Mm -hmm. So like those hand, the wax dips for your hands that have heat. I try that. That's always in my bag. I've got this like spiky mat that helps with circulation. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like my legs aren't feeling well, I just sit on that for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's kind of annoying because you end up having to bring way more tools than you want. Mm -hmm. But you just have to be okay with it. It kind of stinks, but your body's going to be your biggest limitation. And if you uh, the, you know, the limitation, the absence of limitation is the enemy of art type of quote. Mm Uh, I think that's an Orson Welles quote, if I remember correctly. The absence of limitation is the enemy of art. Uh, and if you don't have that limitation, I think, of your of something, mm-hmm. then it, everything will be easy and you won't be able to actually make something that's interesting. 
And so having my body as a limitation has actually allowed me to create the type of performing magic that I wanted to that fits me. I focused more on comedy, focused more on storytelling, focused more on all of that. And I'm, I'm happy with what exists now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure like I have the body of a 70 year old and I'm sure that's only going to progress. <laughs> uh, but it's just trying to keep it going. And the biggest thing I can say to anybody that is it that is going through anything that's similar is one, get a good team. And that team, it consists of a doctor. That team consists of your family, your friends, everything. And that also consists of your, the tools you travel with. Mm -hmm. Get a good team on your side so that no matter how you're feeling, you don't have to think about pushing through it. Just accept that it exists and handle it. That's That was a big thing that totally changed for me. And then magic-wise, there's just so much out there. Mm -hmm. There's so much out there. I mean, Maddie Gilbert is a hero of mine because oh, yeah. he. there's nothing out there for him that exists to go... If you don't have hands, here's how to do an Elm Elmsley. He was here doing his live act lecture, and uh, he I went real deep recently on studying card to pocket, and he has arguably one of the best card to pockets that I've ever seen. Yeah, and he has no hands. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and so I think that that is a good example of going. Well, I'm just not going to let my limitation tell me I can't do it. I'm just going to keep going. Well, Kayla, thanks so much for sharing your story with with me and the listeners because that's a that's I mean I hate to say oh that's a really brave thing to do but it really is I mean that's you not talk about this anywhere else and I really appreciate you sharing that with yeah us. anything so for you Eric oh uh, thanks so much for dropping by the podcast we will have you back soon yay that's going to do it for this week thanks again to Kayla Drescher for the interview and thanks to you for listening you heard in the interview that we were releasing Kayla's interview before Alex's interview which we're releasing next week so be sure to join us next week for my conversation with Alex McAleer we are a weekly podcast so be sure to hit that subscribe button and share this and all of your favorite episodes on the social media of your choice if you wanted to touch base with me about anything you heard in today's episode you can hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate that's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. -I -I From me and everyone else at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform.